Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson. It's great to be with you today. And as we continue to follow uh, the aftermath of the tragedy in Colorado yesterday, we're continuing that conversation. Uh, if you're just uh, tuning in, uh, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, spoke to the nation uh, just about 30 minutes ago, uh, offering his condolences, offering uh, some ideas in terms of a path forward. Uh, but before we move into our conversation uh, with Jenny Howe about how do we talk to our young people about these kinds of uh, events, this kind of uh, action and hate and so on, uh, I want to play just one last clip from uh, President Joe Biden as he closed out uh, his message to the nation uh, in the wake of the shooting in uh, Colorado. But I wanted to be clear. Those poor folks who died left behind families that leaves a big hole in their hearts. And, and, we can save lives, increasing the background checks that are supposed to occur, and eliminating assault weapons, and the size of magazines. We don't know all the detail yet on that. But I'll be talking to you more later today or in the next couple of days about what else we know. May God bless you all and uh, those families who are mourning today because of gun violence in Colorado and Georgia, all across the country. We have to act so there's not more of you. There's fewer of you as time goes on. And that's President Joe Biden just about a half hour ago uh, speaking to the nation. And I like this idea of and that uh, we don't have to have any knee jerk reaction of anything in terms of a a piece of legislation or or some kind of government action. Uh, We can follow all of those things out. Uh, a lot of it begins with what we do, uh, and it's it's not enough to mourn. Uh, it's not enough to just pass legislation. Uh, prevention is a is a critical component. And what kind of conversations we have, both in the aftermath of these kinds of tragedies, uh, but we also need to start looking at upstream in terms of what's going on. Uh, very grateful, as always, to be joined today by our good friend Jenny Howe, a uh, counselor, someone who understands uh, especially the, the young people in, in terms of their anxiety, their stress, their frustration in all of these things. Uh, Jenny, thanks for joining us, as always. And what is the conversation that we should be having in the wake of these kinds of tragedies uh, with our young people? Yeah, boy, thanks for having me. I always appreciate a conversation on this topic as difficult as it is, because I do think it's 
you know, crucial in, in both, you know, having this conversation in our home and also creating pathways for, for upstream work, just like you mentioned. So I really value that you said that. Um, and I also want to kind of qualify this with this is an emotional topic. Um, this is, you know, a personal topic for me. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of victims of gun violence in my career. And so all of those faces um, pop up into my mind whenever I talk about this. So I want to kind of qualify some of this with that as well. Just as a little side note. Um, so, you know, a couple of things. Having this conversation inside our homes is, is not just something that we need to think about. It's something we have to do. You know, speaking specifically to Utah, Utah is a state where guns are a, a huge part of our culture, a huge part of our life. Um, you know, we have a lot of laws that create a lot of legality for that in Utah. And so it's, you know, almost unequivocally going to be something that your children your child or your children or your teen is involved in at some point, you know, not necessarily the violence, but they're going to see weapons. They're going to see large scale weapons. They're going to see these in the, the homes of their friends. Um, and, and not everybody has the same rules regarding gun use in their homes. And so having a conversation about what we do in those situations and what those things can lead to, you know, if put inside the wrong hands are necessary conversations that we should be having with children, you know, from early ages in our state. Um, it's the number one cause of death in our state is, is firearm use um, in children and teens. And so this conversation and an opportunity to have this conversation based off of, you know, the unfortunate incidents that have, are continuing to happen in our country is, you know, the impetus for prevention in yeah. the long run. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. And I want to go back to something you've shared with us on this program before. You've written about this. You've shared this with your clients, uh, and that mm-hmm. is some of that upstream work uh, that often, mm-hmm. when we when we look back and connect the dots uh, after a tragedy like this, uh, you can see some of those traits: the the callousness, the impulsivity, the aggression, those kinds of things. Uh, but you yeah. always talk about this in terms of teaching emotional regulation skills, uh, how you, you know, yeah. modify and, and uh, give us just a little more insight on that. Yeah, you know, what's really cool and what's really, you know, kind of inspirational about research, about science, believe it or not, is that we know what works. And the science really tells us that when we begin to teach kids early how to label their feelings, that there is no feeling is off limits. It's just chemistry in our body. And when we give them the words and the language to identify that, we give them the space to feel what they feel. And then we teach them that our actions and our choices are not a direct result of our emotions, that we get to feel what we feel and choose what we do. And there's a separation. There's a gap there. And we can begin teaching our children this, you know, from the age of 18 months when we're beginning to discipline them. We can begin having and modeling the types of conversations of language acquisition that we're having just naturally with our kids when they're young, but we can begin labeling those feelings. I'm wondering if you look like you're feeling angry. Is angry something you're feeling? And using pictures and stories and all of these, you know, things that we have at our disposal to teach kids the language that is associated with, with emotional control and emotional regulation. And most of the time, you know, you're exactly right. Research shows us that there are certain traits that, that identify people that, you know, committed the, the horrific act that was committed yesterday. We know that. But overall, you know, we also know that we can give people from a young age, the skills of emotional regulation. And those skills, they can actually circumvent and supersede some of these personality traits of callousness and impulsivity. We can teach people who are kind of hardwired, for lack of a better word, to kind of have the propensity for violence. We can teach them from a young age 
how to go a different way. Mm. We, we know we can do that. You yeah. know, is that going to save everything? No, but we have the ability to, to focus on that and to actually change pathways for people when we start young. Yeah. Oh, and, and I love, uh, I, I love this is one more area where we can follow science and we can yeah. take action uh, and we can own things and we can create space. I love the idea of creating space. So our young people in particular can start to identify for themselves what, you know, that anger, that fear, that frustration, what that looks like, and, and then how they are responding to that. Uh, because, again, I, I think so often we we don't go to the science. We go to a, a knee-jerk reaction to one extreme or the other. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, you rightly mentioned, Jenny, that, you know, our our society is a one where we have hunting and we have guns and we have shooting. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have all of those things. And those can all be great. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. What, one of our uh, texters <laughs> just chimed in and said, I don't know that I've ever agreed with Dick Durbin before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but but the the texter is agreeing that, look, we can do we can do this and. And we can yes. do the front end work yes. uh, to do that. And I think that's important that we don't have the knee jerk. But I want to go back to your idea of following the science and then creating mm-hmm. space for the learning to happen. Absolutely. You know, and those things, those crucial conversations, as you like to call them, they occur in our homes first. Yeah. You know, I could I could talk for another hour here on how we can implement that and strategize that in terms of, you know, elementary skill building and what we can do in our education system to help with that as well, to help balance what parents are doing in their homes. But you and I both know that what happens inside our homes lays the foundation for how our kids grow and, and learn how to emotionally process and regulate in their lives. We all can go back to, you know, our own childhoods and say, oh, yeah, like I I probably reacted this way because this is what I saw my parents do. There's a lot of truth in that. And so when we model emotional regulation and when let's say we have an overreactive moment and, you know, we lose it with our kids. I certainly have done that a million times in my life. (laughs) Going back and having the conversation and saying, hey, like I got really angry. And that anger led me to believe that this choice was the right choice in that moment. And I didn't leave in any space for my values. And you know what? I value my relationship with you way more than I value my anger and the choices I made in that moment. And so I want to come back and have a conversation with you and apologize for my reactions. I want to respond differently next time. Oh, Can you imagine how powerful that conversation would be with a teenager? That is you know, a, yeah, that's not only a powerful conversation with a teenager. That's a that's a powerful conversation with a spouse, with a colleague, yeah. with a boss, yeah. <laughs> with an employee. Uh, with someone, a neighbor in our community, uh, we can do that. Uh, one of my other favorite quotes of, of yours, Jenny, uh, that you shared with <laughs> us in the past is that we can allow our fears or our values to drive our decisions, regardless of yeah. that predisposition that you were talking about. Yes, absolutely. I'm not, I'm such a believer in this. You know, I've done, I spent a, a large portion of my career focusing on psychopathy and risk assessment and, and speaking at conferences about this. This is a, a huge part of, of the work that I've done. Believe it or not, I do a lot of different work now, but I did this for a large part of my career. And I did it because the science tells us that there are parts of that that we can help with. Mm-hmm. Boy, the science tells us if we, if I'm working with a young person who is showing traits of callousness and predisposed violence, and this client is also showing me signs of anxiety that I got something to work with that because this person has enough fear to be able to identify values. And I've seen this over and over and over in my career because yes, we have an option. We either allow our innate fears to kind of drive our decision-making or we allow our values. But the problem is somebody that's innately wired with callousness really needs a lot of help to identify their values. And we can do that. 
we can do that with people. There's hope. And so, you know, every time one of these incidents happens, I go back to, you know, the research that I did for years and years and years on this topic and, and wonder who this kid talked to. Where, where were these opportunities in this person's life to have gone on a different pathway? Because I firmly believe that we, we have pathways for people if we would just acknowledge it and change a bunch of systems in our, in our culture. So that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will come back to that one for sure. Uh, but uh, Jenny, this is such priceless insight uh, and so important, not just in the wake uh, of these kinds of tragedies, but more importantly, these are crucial conversations that we need to get in front of and particularly yeah. that we need to help our young people understand. And as you said, we need to create space for them to recognize all of these components and then be able to have a conversation about it uh, moving forward. Yeah. yeah, I agree, especially in Utah. We can do this. You know, we're believers in our homes and, and the influence we have in our homes. And, and this, is, this is such an important topic that can really create change. All right. Well, Jenny Howe, uh, we always appreciate uh, you giving us some of your time and some of your great insight. Uh, we will have you back real soon to continue this crucial conversation and uh, and a host of others I know we have on a on a list for you. But th- <laughs> thanks for joining us today. <laughs> You're welcome, Boyd. Have a good day. All right. We'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how do we actually win the weight as we come out of the pandemic. Find out next on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources today. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson. And as we continue to follow the events that took place yesterday in Colorado, uh, tragic loss of 10 lives, uh, including the uh, first officer to arrive on the scene. Uh, and it's very important for us to, to keep in mind, if you missed the last segment uh, with uh, our good friend and counselor, Jenny Howe, uh, we'll put the podcast up here shortly, and uh, she just gave some extraordinary advice and insight into how do we have these conversations? How do we have these conversations, particularly with our young people uh, who, coming out of a pandemic, uh, have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, uh, a lot of fear and frustration in terms of where things are. Uh, so there's some great things in terms of how do you process, how do you create space? How do you create space for the kind of learning and the kind of conversations uh, that will help us avoid these kind of tragedies in the future. It's easy to get uh, focused on uh, what we can do from a command and control standpoint. Uh, and while we always need to do that assessment, we always need to check on, are we doing all the right things preventatively? Uh, Dick Durbin mentioned this at the opening opening of the House Judiciary Committee, committee hearing today, uh, that uh, if you look at the opioids, opioids were designed to be helpful, to help those with chronic pain, help those suffering uh, with various ailments and uh, coming out of surgeries and so on. Uh, and yet you see the uh, the pain that has caused to so many, not just to those who become addicted, but to their families and to communities. Uh, and so many of these things are intertwined. And so we can do both. We can, we can be responsible. We can protect our Second Amendment rights, to be sure. Uh, we can have uh, hunting and, uh, and all of the things that go along with that. And 
and we can do things that uh, will help limit gun violence. Uh, and I know we've uh, done some of that on Utah's Capitol Hill, uh, both Democrats and Republicans alike coming together uh, to have real conversations, important conversations uh, about those. So check out our Facebook page today. Make sure you check out the podcast uh, today as well. Our conversation with Jenny Howe is uh, one that you can use not just for these kind of situations, these tragic situations. These are great skills and great conversations to have with your spouse, with your kids, uh, and with people in your community. Uh, All of those things really matter. I also want to go back to uh, our text line just real quickly as we round out the show today. Uh, We've been talking all week about uh, having uh, those who have fingerprints on our lives. And uh, that's that's such a, a fun thing uh, to really think about. I think it makes a difference for us when we stop and think, whose fingerprints are on my life? Uh, one of our texters uh, chimed in uh, and said that they uh, have been focused on the fingerprints. And over the last month, they have been writing at least one thank you note each week to someone who's had an impact or a fingerprint on their life. Uh, I love that. Uh, and I guarantee you it will make a difference for the person who put fingerprints on your life. And it will make a difference for you. Uh, When you take time to put pen to paper, uh, magic things happen. I'm not talking about a text. I'm not talking about an email, uh, not even a phone call. Phone calls are good, but not quite good enough. Uh, If you will handwrite, I don't care how bad your handwriting is. I don't care how bad your spelling is. You cannot be worse than me. Trust me. My my penmanship is horrific. My spelling is worse. Uh, But I write handwritten notes because they matter. And uh, big thanks to our texter for chiming in there. What a great idea to just once a week write a, write a note, handwritten note uh, to someone who's put their fingerprints on your life because when it really comes down to it, the things that are going to help us prevent the kind of tragedies we've seen in Georgia and Colorado are what each of us do to put positive fing- fingerprints on the lives of those around us. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as you go out into the world today, Make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.